Hey everyone, and welcome to the God and My Girlfriends podcast, where we talk about how to nurture the most important relationships in our lives, our relationships with God, our friends, and with ourselves. So join us, won't you? Hey you guys, Marsha here, and welcome to the very last episode of Season 1 of the God and My Girlfriends podcast. I have really appreciated all the love and support you have given me as I've started on this podcasting journey with absolutely zero experience, (laughs) but it's been fun and you guys have loved me right through this whole thing and I am really happy with how people have jumped on board with it and, and I'm really excited about how season two is shaping up. It's going to be awesome. Um, that starts in September. So y'all check back in. Of course, if you have subscribed, and I hope you have subscribed, you should get a notice automatically as soon as the new episodes start coming in. But I do want to take just a little summer break. So our last guest of this season is a truly special lady. Joining me this week to cap off this wonderful season is my dear friend, the amazing Carol Ford. Carol is a singer-songwriter based in Atlanta, Georgia, but you're going to find out here really soon that she is so much more than that. Many of you know that for the last several years, I have gone down about once a year to participate in a singer-songwriter series called Home by Dark, which uh, is based in Alpharetta, Georgia. That's just north of Atlanta. Home by Dark is the brainchild of our friend James Casto, and um, that's a whole nother incredible story for another day. But he put Home by Dark together several years ago, and it has grown and grown into a show that literally thousands come to see each year. Carol is a big part of the success of Home by Dark. She and her sister Vanessa sing in the house band that accompanies all the singer-songwriters that are there. But let me tell you, I'll tell you this, if Carol and Vanessa aren't featured at each show, the crowd will revolt. I'm not kidding. These two are special talents and special people. Carol and I bonded over our love of music and Jesus and also for encouraging others, especially women. I was thrilled when Carol agreed to be on the board of directors for God and My Girlfriend's Ministries last year, as she is a trusted voice in my world. We talk often about how important those trusted friends are in your friend circles, you know, the ones that will tell you the truth and guide you well. Well, Carol is one of those for me, I tell you. And she is truly one of my favorite singer-songwriters. You will hear her story in the interview, but before we get there, just let me tell you some of her amazing credits. Carol has performed as a session vocalist, background singer with a variety of artists from The Mighty Clouds of Joy to David Pack. She had a CCM Top 10 hit called For My Growing and was featured on the Grammy-winning album Crack the Sky, Mylon Lefevre's album, and... She's been featured on the daytime television drama, The Young and the Restless. Carol is a founding member of the CCM group Sevenfold. And at the end of the show, y'all don't miss the end of today's podcast because I'm going to play 
a song by Sevenfold in its entirety at the end to end the show. It's such a beautiful song, so y'all hang in there with that. She's also, like I said, a staff musician with Home by Dark Productions in Atlanta, and she has two solo CDs, one called Five and one called Bittersweet. So Carol and I just had a great conversation. Get ready to laugh. Get ready to to cry. Get ready to um, learn a lot. And I think you're really going to love our conversation. Um, I always learn something every single time I talk with Carol Ford. And this conversation was no exception. So without any further ado, y'all get ready for the wonderful, the beautiful, the talented Carol Ford. Hi, Carol Ford. How are you doing? I'm fine, Marsha Ramirez. I'm so glad to be with you today. I'm so glad you're here, too. I just love seeing your face. I'm really, really sad that I'm not going to see your face in person this weekend because our plan... All my plans, we were just talking a little bit before I hit record that our whole, all my plans lately have just been completely waylaid. But um, for those of you that don't know, Carol sings with a wonderful singer songwriter series just north of Atlanta and Alpharetta called Home by Dark. Anyone that knows me or Mike has heard us talk about this, this wonderful songwriter series down there it's a really special thing carol's a big part of that down there and this weekend my husband is playing in the house band with carol and her sister vanessa and a bunch of our other friends and i was going to tag along but everything all of our plans have gotten waylaid this week so i'm not going to get to come this weekend so girl um, we had we had plans for you you (laughs) yes ma'am I told James I would I'd sell merch, I'd roll up cords. I was like, no, actually, actually, we had the song that we were planning to stick you in front of everybody to sing. I'm serious. <laughs> Wait, you thought you were gonna leave Atlanta, Georgia, and just not sing, sell some merch? <laughs> Silly girl. <laughs> oh no, no, that wasn't I, gonna happen. <laughs> well, all week long, I have been. Uh, listening to Mike working on the songs in his office and I've been listening to you I've been listening to your amazing voice singing already gone and I asked him I said I didn't y'all do that a couple weeks ago and he said no we didn't because Mm -hmm. everything got messed up he said but we're gonna do it he goes man Carol sings her blind off on that thing (laughs) I was like I know she does I know she does oh yeah just a Uh, little tender love song about people breaking up my favorite kind (laughs) You sing it with <laughs> conviction, lady. I'll tell you that. There's history. <laughs> oh, we all got history, right? Yes, oh, my yes. God. oh, my God. Okay. Well, um, as I always do, I always, of course, before we got on, I introduced you to everyone a little bit, just uh, like the stuff that you've done. But what we do isn't who we are. So I'd like to just give you an opportunity to... Um, to just tell the listeners, I'd like you to just tell them one thing about Carol Ford that you would like to share with our, with our listeners today. Oh, wow. One thing. Um, I think that the thing that is really important for me to share with people right now is um, the 
the uh, without getting too serious too quickly, is um, the the everlasting power of love. Mm. I have really over the past year and a half, I've had to come to grips with um, what love really is to me, what love really does, and um, the fact that we can we can be in total disagreement with people and may have to change, you know, where they fit into our circle. Maybe they're not in our, you know, inner circle anymore, mm-hmm. but we can still love them. Yes. That the love, that, that's the incredible power of love. And, and I had to kind of beat myself up over it a little bit because there were a couple of people that I really did not want to love anymore. <laughs> you know, we've just, all got those, I think. You know, but, but coming to the realization, it's like, wait a minute, you know, I, I don't like what they did. And in some cases, I didn't like what they began to stand for. But I just had to come to grips with the fact that I did still love them. Mm. So that has been a very powerful thing for me. That's beautiful and and very wise. I think a lot of us can relate to that. I'm sure I've been hard to love. (laughs) No, you are. You are the easiest person (laughs) to love. No, I'm serious. I mean, you are the easiest person um, to love. And part of it is because you know a lot about, you know, a lot about love. You love people and, and people sense that even, I mean, the first time we saw you perform, other than the fact that we were going, oh my, this girl can sing. <laughs> but I mean, you even, you do that even with your audience. It comes across with the audience. Um, when mm. we watched you perform, even when we were watching you with Christopher, it still comes across. So, um, so somewhere along the way, girl, you learned some stuff about love. Well, you're very kind. And it's funny you say that because I actually remember, this is true story. I remember the day, the first day I saw you, you and Vanessa walked into James Casto's house. I was there waiting to do a rehearsal and I was really nervous. I didn't know anybody. It was like my first time. And you and Vanessa uh, walked in. I think we just said Carol's sister, Vanessa is Mm -hmm. also just um, amazing, amazing human being. Love, love, love her. Y'all walked in the room and I, this is going to make me cry. I felt love walk in the room. I didn't even know you. We hadn't even said a word to one another. And I was like, oh, I love these women. I love them. You know, they talk about people having like an energy or like a bringing something like that's how I felt about you guys. And I was like, I want to be their friend. (laughs) Okay. Let's, let's not start crying this early. (laughs) I know. Oh my goodness. But no, there's only a few people that I remember that so strongly like my husband was one of those I remember the moment I saw him I I remember feeling a like instant like I need to know this human being you know it's weird but you you and Valencia were definitely those two yeah we're crying already oh my gosh okay all right so let's change the subject change the subject all right Um, okay tell me real quick um we'll tell I know but let's tell listeners where did you where did you grow up Carol Okay, um, I grew up in Macon, Georgia, which is about 100 miles south of Atlanta proper. Mm-hmm. Um, that is, um, that, and that's still where the majority of my um, family on my mom's side is there. So mm-hmm. that was, that's where I grew up. Um, went to college a year early, came to Atlanta, didn't like it. <laughs> just, I just, I, I didn't like the big city. I just, I didn't like it. So I, um, I went back home and just said, I'm never going back there again. Mm. So of Interesting. course, of course you went back. 
yeah, yeah and, never and that's where i live <laughs> god god never. loves those nevers doesn't he god's like yes. oh that's so you humans are so funny with your little <laughs> nevers <laughs> yeah so you you grew up there your mom and dad how many brothers and sisters um there are five of us um four of us four siblings living um, my, my older brother, Billy, my mom and dad are in heaven now, mm. um, but um, came from a musical family. Um, my mom had an incredible voice, just beautiful, um, beautiful alto. Um, my dad could not carry a tune in a bucket. <laughs> um, my, my, my brother, my older brother, Billy, um, was a musician um, at a at a very early age. He was he was playing with a lot of local musicians. Um, he played with James Brown. He played with um, Bobby Bland. Um, he was he was just out with with everybody in who was in that area. My sister Sandra, great vocalist, um, a drummer in high school. So you know that was great in a house having a kid with a yeah. Well, because you got one. That's right. You got. <laughs> that's right. You got a kid. Who's a oh, drummer. it's it's fun. <laughs> Nothing like the sweet sound of drum rehearsal at a house. <laughs> It'll clear, clear room real quick. Yeah, girl. Yeah. So, yeah. so music was a part of your life right from early childhood, big yeah. part of your life. When did you, I mean, did you always just sort of know music was going to be a big centerpiece, if you will, of your life? No, I didn't. Um, my mom had, my mom had me, my, there's my brother, Billy, who's 15 years older than me. My sister, Sandra, who's 10 years older than me. Then my mom had me 18 months later, she had twins. Yeah, that's right. I, I might've just taken up drinking or something. But fortunately, <laughs> she, you know, she's a godly woman, never had a drink of liquor in her life. Okay. But I'm telling you, I would have, all right. I I had my Bible in one hand and Jack Daniels in the other. Same. <laughs> oh my lord. So she actually wanted me to have something that was mine. So I started taking organ lessons when I was about 9 or 10 years old and I had just a woman who just should not be teaching children. Um she's she's <laughs> been gone for many many years so I you know nobody's going to be mad at me. Um but she was literally, she was one of those people, she would, she would wrap your knuckles with these rulers that she had a rubber band around. And so I just really didn't like that at all. Oh, so, yeah. Oh, for my, yeah, needless to say, I didn't like that, Marsha. <laughs> so when, um, so when I was um, coming up on my 10th birthday, I talked my dad into buying a guitar for me. Nobody in my family at that time, well, my brother Billy had played guitar, but he was, he was long out of the house by then. He was 15 years older than me. So I, I talked my dad into buying a guitar for me, which he did. I taught myself to play guitar. I didn't even realize how I was supposed to string up the guitar. So I, I left my guitar strung up the way that a left-handed person would play, but I played right-handed. <sighs> So that's how I taught myself to play guitar. And it's how I taught my brother, John, to play guitar. Oh, my gosh. He still plays that way right now. He's an incredible guitarist. John was playing. Oh, my goodness. John was playing Vivaldi when he was like 12, 13 years old. Okay. On guitar. Oh, my. He's an incredible guitarist and musician and songwriter. Wow. Um, so out of sheer ignorance and grit, I just didn't want to go back to my organ teacher. 
<laughs> I caught my Your knuckles were hurting. Girl, my mom, my mom was saying to my dad, what the devil did you do? The child doesn't play guitar. You know, we can barely get her to play organ. But, <sighs> um, but that was what I did. And I, and I played until um, guitar was my main instrument for songwriting mm. um, until I went to, until I went to college. Wow. And you literally played with it backwards, like a left-handed yes. person? Yes. Interesting. No, it's actually just stupid. That's what happens when you just, <laughs> just desperate. I was just desperate and just didn't know any better. So. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Well, now, but you and Vanessa had to have been singing together from like our. Oh, yeah, because we sang in church. We sang in church. Oh, um, church of God in Christ girls. So, yes, we always sang. We were literally in church every time the doors opened and always sing. You know, they had the children's choir and then they had the junior choir. Man, if we could have gotten out of it, we would. But, <laughs> you know, we grew up at a time when it's like, you know, we did not get to say to our mom, hey, mom, we really don't want to go to church or sing those songs. Girl, I'd have been pushing up daisies. OK, so so that was not something we ever thought about. And I'm glad now. I'm glad. Right. You know, so we always sang. And when we were probably what, maybe sixth or seventh grade, started writing music, John and Vanessa and I um, would just, you know, we didn't even know we were writing music. We were just, we just thought we were just making it. We didn't know that making up songs was writing music. You know, we would just make up these songs, make up these tunes. And, you know, and I had a little organ, you know, that I would practice at home. And sometimes I'd play guitar, John would play guitar, Vanessa would sing. And so we'd just make up these songs and sing in three-part harmony. And um, by the time we were in high school, you know, there would be a talent show somewhere and somebody would say, well, you know, those four kids, they're always singing together, you know. And, and so we'd wind up singing just whatever was popular. You know, a lot of we had this one teacher. She would cry every time we sang. He ain't heavy. He's my brother. So it's like for two straight years, every talent show, no matter what, we had to sing. He ain't <laughs> heavy. He's my brother. She'd be there, you know, crying with her, you know. I love that song. Those children are just wonderful. <laughs> it was like, it was the last song that we wanted to sing, but because the message of it was such a sweet message. Yeah. My mom was okay with us singing that because my mom did not let us listen to secular music. And my mom did not let us sing secular music. Really? My mom only allowed us to listen to the great hymns of the church and classical music. Interesting. Although, she, you know, she taught us to dance because she didn't want us to be lacking in the social skills. So she, <laughs> believe me, we're still lacking in the social graces. Okay. We're still lacking, but in the kitchen, she taught us how to do um, a box step when we went to a sock op, because that's what we had then. Oh. We would know how to do a box step because that's what everybody was doing. Not. Okay. So the two dances are no three. She taught us how to do a waltz. Because she said, everybody ought to know how to do a waltz, a waltz, a box step, and a polka. That's right. Because when we were going to a sock hop and the Jackson 5 was on, baby, yeah, you want to make sure you know how to do a polka or a box step. Okay. So <laughs> that is so awesome. I, yeah. I love that your mother was teaching you to dance. You know, I grew up Southern Baptist and yeah. Baptist didn't believe in, um, in dancing. Yeah. You know? yeah. So they were like, we even had, when we would have dances, 
uh-huh. on off campus in my Baptist uh-huh. college, but we would just have to call them functions. Yeah. <laughs> we couldn't call them dances. They would advertise them function Friday night. Everyone oh, knew yeah. what it was. It was a dance, but you know, you know, now what I grew up now, we're, we're Pentecostal girls. Okay. So, you know, that if they didn't let us listen to secular music, you know, there was no dancing, but my mother, she always wanted us to be prepared to go out into the world. That's cool. So she taught us that, but I mean, the first schools I ever went to were Catholic schools. Oh, really? Oh yes. Because there, it was the strictest school that was available. If there had been a Pentecostal church of God in Christ school, then that's where my mother would have sent me. So she sent me to the next strict place which was with the Sisters of No Mercy. <laughs> sisters of No Mercy. <laughs> so literally, it is not a joke. When they would have these little dances, the nuns would come through with um, like a yardstick and they would like come between you and like, and make sure that there was enough, what they would say, make sure there's enough room for the Holy Ghost. <laughs> so you had to- <laughs> That is hilarious. <laughs> so I mean, you had to dance it, like you'd be dancing like, you know, two, three feet apart. <laughs> Make sure there's room for the Holy Holy Ghost. Oh my gosh. That's the best thing I've heard all week. week. Absolutely true. Hey, do you remember the first song you ever wrote? It was a little, it was a little ditty. La 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 la. Something about once in a lifetime. Nothing can really go wrong. Everything <laughs> is, I mean, it was something that was just so absolutely horrible. It was, it was kind of like a, it's kind of like a rat pack kind of song, you know, oh, yeah. Sammy Davis, Dean Martin. My dad loved Dean Martin. I'm surprised it yeah. wasn't a gospel song. Oh, I, I'm not. Um, <laughs> I, I mean, now once, once I came into a relationship with Christ and that's, you know, that's another story that was like, right. As I turned 15, mm-hmm. um, I wrote a lot of um, Christian music, but you know, I, I'd written poetry from the time I was like nine or 10. I just didn't know that that was what it was. Right, right. The way that we got to listen to secular music was my dad, because my dad was a huge country music fan, and it was what he called hillbilly music. And it was like Hank Williams. And to my dad, God rest his soul, there was just one Hank Williams, okay? Mm-hmm. And it was Hank Sr., all right? <laughs> and um you know, Scrubs and Flat and Chet Atkins, a, a lot of the stuff that I played on guitar, I was trying to play Chet Atkins, you know, I was trying to do that. So that's actually the music that, you know, kind of informed our secular music basis was very country music, very much serious, you know, it was not country and Western, it was just country music, hillbilly music. Right. And my sister Sandra, because she was 10 years older than us, she was listening to r and on the side, she oh. had a little transistor radio, a little, a, a little AM transistor radio. Okay. Yeah. That's what we got to listen to when my mom was not around. So that's basically how our music, early music tastes were informed. It was gospel music. And it was real gospel music. The James Cleveland's, the, the Clara Ward singers, um, Clark sisters, and, you know, and George Beverly Shea, you know, and, and classics, you know, my mom loved Handel. Mm-hmm. And I, I loved Bach, which was kind of teetering, you know, because with Bach, you had these, you know, you had these sevenths. You had a lot of stuff going on that didn't sound quite like classical music. It sounded, it, it was, it was emotional. You know, the chord structures, you know, were evocative. So that was what I listened to. So by the time that I had my own little transistor radio, I started listening to a college station that would play Joni Mitchell and 
she, I'm serious. She just about paralyzed me. Mm. I mean, her lyrics, because I, I loved poetry and she was a poet. I mean, you could just take her lyrics and listen to them. She was definitely a poet. But what she was doing musically with chord structures, honestly, I mean, I would be in tears. I'd never heard anything like that before. I always say that Joni Mitchell was my composition professor. So I, I listened to her. I mean, I still do listen to her mm-hmm. um, from, from 15 until I was probably 25. I consistently listened to Joni Mitchell consistently. And, you know, and then there were others, you know, there was Chick Corea, that rest this all, we lost him um, last mm-hmm. year, but um, there were a group of others that I listened to as I was able to, you know, go from my AM transistor to AM, FM. I had my own little turntable so I could go and, you know, buy my own little albums and listen to them. So it, it was, it was, a, I guess, a pretty good mix, you know, of music. That I, I can see that just listening to the music that you make now, I, I, I do see so many different um, influences from different genres across the board. Mm -hmm. And that makes a lot of sense. Um, Going back a minute to, we were talking about the singer songwriter series home by dark Mm -hmm. that we both have been involved in for years. Um, Their slogan is a song can change your life. Yes, ma'am. Was there a song that literally has changed your life? You know, there have been a lot of songs that have, have changed my life. In fact, some of your songs have changed my life. Um, Sweet. But, you know, from an early age, I think the first time that I heard both sides now, you know, I, I actually performed that song a couple of years ago. It's the first time I'd ever actually performed it. I'd ever performed it live. No live. Yeah. Yeah. But that song as a kid, I always thought too much. I just, and I I overthought everything and I still do to a great, a great extent, but she was the first person that I ever heard her music said everything that I wanted to say. It was like for the first time, um, there were words for, you know, everything that I was going through, you know, sort of in that time period, Mm -hmm. um, as a girl, it, it kind of became my little personal anthem, but, but I grew into that song. I grew into that song as a woman, you know, as a woman singing it a couple of years ago, it's like, Oh, wow. Yeah. I really know exactly what this means now. You know, your version of that is hands down my favorite version of both sides. Now I listen to oh, it all the time awesome. and I'm actually going to link there is, it's on YouTube of Carol singing that song. It is stunning. And I'm going to link that in the show notes so that everyone can hear it. Before we get off of music here really quick though, um, you sing with a group called Sevenfold. I do. I do. Tell me about Sevenfold. Okay. I'll try to make this story as quick as I possibly can. All right. Um, I was playing when I came home from college, I was playing with a contemporary Christian group in my hometown then that was called the Chimetters. They were like a a contemporary gospel ensemble and they needed a pianist and they had to be really desperate if they got me as a (laughs) pianist. But they were desperate. So I was playing with them. My pastor at that time called my mom. He found out that I was playing with this contemporary Christian music group. Okay. So he called my mom and he said, we really need a youth choir over here at the church. And so I really want Carol to come and start a youth choir at the church. Well, it's like I had just gotten out of there, just barely escaped. Yeah. And so, you know, but I was still living at home with my mom. So my mom said, 
hey, the pastor calls and wants you to start a youth choir. And it's like, I, I had been a Christian by then for about six years, maybe six or seven years. And I was like, you know, God, am I being punished for something? <laughs> you know, so I said, okay, all right, you know, I'll do it because I was trying to honor my mother. Yes. And so my mom said, and by the way, you take Vanessa with you. And Vanessa was like, you know, she had been, Vanessa became a Christian a couple of years after I was. And she was basically like, am I being punished for something? So, (laughs) you know, so we had a a great friend um, that we all grew up together with, Jack Street, who is a great bass player, has has been with the Lord now for quite a few years. Oh, Jackie Street is a beloved guy here in Nashville. Amazing bass player. Very beloved. Yes. Yes. We're all kids together, all grew up together. His family, very musical family. So um, Jack was going to be playing bass in this youth choir. So I had Vanessa and John in the car. So I had to go pick up Jack to go to rehearsal. So when we got there to pick up Jack, his mom said, Mama Street, who is also with the Lord now, but Mama Street said, Carolyn, she said, I want my girls to sing in that choir. So there are three of them, Jacqueline, Angela, and Valerie. They were, I mean, the looks on their faces, it's like, are we being punished for something? (laughs) So I said, yes, ma'am. So they got in the car and we all went to rehearsal. Our other good friend, Charlotte Reed, I'm Charlotte Parker now, her mom went to our church. And so when her mom found out that we were doing this youth choir, her mom called my mom and said, hey, I want my girls to be in that youth choir. So literally, I went to pick them up. I mean, there'd be like 50 people in my car. It's like a clown car. You know, people just kept getting out. And none of us wanted to be there. We were all there. <laughs> Because our moms told us. Because your parents said you better be there. That's exactly right. So we were there. We were the youth choir. But by that time, I was writing, you know, what we call contemporary music now. And so after rehearsals, I would say, hey, do y'all want to learn these songs? And they wanted to learn those songs. And all of these girls could sing and still do sing right now. So, So after we finished being the youth choir, we began to just have people saying, hey, can y'all come and sing? Can y'all come and sing? And a lot of colleges asked us to come and sing. We would just get to sing in, you know, in places where choirs couldn't get to go and sing. So we got to do that. A guy named um, Marlon Lefebvre, who is here in Atlanta, um, then at Mount Parent Church of God, had a, a weekly Christian rock concert. And um, our manager booked us into that. And Marlon enjoyed having us. So, you know, it's like we would go back every two, three weeks. And finally... He called my mom and he said, hey, the girls there. And so she said, yeah, the girls are here. And, you know, he had talked to my mom and then he talked to us and he said, you know, he said, I've been praying. He said, I think that the girls are actually supposed to be here in Atlanta. They're supposed to be a part of this ministry, which was called Airborne. So, you know, we prayed and that's what we did and got to work with um, Airborne, Dean Harrington, incredible guitarist, Mm -hmm. um, produced the first sevenfold album, which was not released but I think we're about to release it. So that's, are you really? Yeah. We'll have to have another podcast about that. Okay. Oh. But I'll tell, I'll tell you offline. About okay. It. It's we'll just talk. The most incredible thing. Oh, I can't um, wait to hear about it. You know, so that is how sevenfold um, started and literally got to, you know, got to sing all over the United States, all over the world, got to sing a um, pretty neat, you know, situation. Yeah. It's an amazing group. You guys did a cool little online Christmas concert that we enjoyed so much. That was a really cool thing that you guys did and you raised money for a good organization. Y'all, y'all just rock. Hey friends, we're taking one more quick break to just remind you that this podcast is sponsored by God and My Girlfriend's Ministries, which is a nonprofit that supports women in all walks of life. 
Women helping women become everything God created them to be. That's our mission. We have online Bible studies and book clubs, live events, weekend workshops and retreats, a single mama's ministry, and also this podcast. If you'd like to learn more about what we do or get involved in any way with any of our programs, please message us on our website. It's GodAndMyGirlfriendsOnline.com. Or you can find us on any of our socials. We're on Facebook, Instagram, and even Twitter. So reach out when you can and let us know how we can serve you or maybe someone that you know. And now, back to the conversation. Well, switching gears just a bit here. um, uh, You said you grew up in the church Mm -hmm. and um, your family was very spiritual. When Mm -hmm. did you personally decide that Jesus was your guy? My journey to Christ was to a personal relationship with Christ was kind of bumpy. It was kind of bumpy. Um, I grew up in a denomination that was very, very, very strict. Okay. Mm -hmm. And although I had a mom, her, her dad was a theologian. And so my mom and her sisters were, you know, just very, very brilliant women and studied the, the Bible for themselves and taught us to do likewise but we were in a denomination that was, and, and look, they've come a long way since then. So I want to be fair to them. They've come a long, long way since then. Sure. Um, but they were, they were just so restrictive. I could barely breathe. And some of the people who were in that denomination, they seemed to have, they just didn't seem to have any love. They had, you know, they had a lot of rules and they were serious about everyone following those rules they just, they had no mercy. And um, I had difficulty with that. I was a quirky kid anyway. And it was just, there was just no mercy there for me at all. And so I started to ascribe to Jesus, the attributes of his children or his followers. So I just really, you know, I knew that God existed. I never doubted that, but I just didn't think Jesus and I could have a good relationship because People who call themselves Christians were just, they just seemed so merciless, just so mm. merciless. Mm-hmm. So um, I literally met, um, and I got to be honest, I was not very kind to other kids who were Christians. I just didn't want to hear it. I just didn't want to hear it because the people who had influence over me because I was a kid so that they could, you know, speak over me, whatever, were just so not kind. So I didn't have very much um tolerance for kids in school who were Christians. But there was this one girl who invited me one morning to come to this little Bible study um, before school started. And even though I was not, I was not really interested in their Bible study, because the truth is, I had studied the Bible already. And I knew a chapter and verse, I knew, I knew more about the Bible than all of them did put together. I didn't know about Jesus. Yes. But I, but I, very different. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I knew Bible chapter and verse. And so um, I know everybody laughs about this, but it was a campus crusade for Christ Bible study. And the girl who was the staff member, she was one of the kindest people that I had ever met. Um, I, and I, I, I've lost contact with her over the years with a girl named Susan Schaefer. Um, I think her merit name is Walker, but the way that she represented Jesus was very different than anything I had seen before. And she was not pushy at all. So I went, I went probably for maybe four or five weeks. And because I knew so much scripture, 
she thought that I was a Christian. <laughs> I, I was really not, I was just, I was a church girl. Yeah. I was a church girl, but I was not a Christian. Yeah. And so she was talking to me one day and she, and she asked me, she said, so Carol, you know, when did you ask Jesus into your life? And I said, I didn't ask Jesus into my life. <laughs> You know, he just kind of bombarded his way in. Well, he had had not his followers, his, you know, some of them, some of his followers have. So, you know, she just explained to me what it had meant to her to have a relationship with Christ. And she said, hey, she said, you're a smart girl. She said, you just think about it for yourself. And she actually gave me, everybody laughs about it. She gave me four spiritual laws, that little gold book, you know. God loves you. It has a wonderful plan for your life. You know, just as there are physical laws that govern the physical universe, there are spiritual laws that govern your relationship with God. But law one was that God loves you. And so I must have read that little book, but I don't know, maybe a half dozen times. And I realized this is two weeks before my 15th birthday, that those people were not Jesus. I didn't even know for sure if they had a relationship with God. Well, as an adult now, I know that, you know, people can be Christians and just have lots of screwy stuff going on in their lives. And so what they present to the world can be screwy just because their lives are screwy. It's not because Jesus is screwy. Mm. But I remember in my bedroom, I remember, I mean, I remember this so clearly. It was October. It was a clear night. The windows were open because we all had open windows. None of us had air conditioning at that time, but I was back in my bedroom by myself and the windows were open. And I just, I said, I'm like, just the craziest prayer. I just said, look, Jesus, if you really exist and you really want to be a part of my life, then I really want you to come into my heart. I mean, what a crazy prayer to just say, hey, if you're there. But, (laughs) you know, but see, Jesus was filled with mercy. Yes. And that was the thing that I was in such need of, you know, because when I grew up, like I said, I was a quirky kid. You know, I was always the fat, ugly girl, you know, but I was real look smart. I was always kind of rejected by the in crowd unless they needed something, you know, unless they didn't understand a math problem. Then it's yeah. like, well, you know, ask Carol. <laughs> That's why I asked you, are we having math questions in this interview? Um, <laughs> no math questions. <laughs> you know? And so what I needed was mercy because everything that I had seen of Jesus you know, there was a lot of rejection because there's no way I could ever meet the standard. I could never be perfect enough for not all of them, but for many of the people who were in my church, you could just never get it all right because there were so many rules. You you couldn't wear pants. You couldn't wear makeup. You couldn't dance. You couldn't listen to secular music. Some of the older ones even said, can't go to it. <laughs> Literally used to tell us, you cannot go to the movies. If you go inside of the movie, they call it the theater. The theater is what they call it. If you go inside of the theater, Jesus does not go inside. He'll just wait outside until you come back. <laughs> and it's like, Jesus didn't go to the swimming pool. You couldn't put on swimsuit, you know? Wow. Just Jesus was picky yeah. about where he went those days. I mean, those days. <laughs> Jesus, Jesus was, Jesus was hard. Jesus was just so hard, you know? And so I, but I remember this, I did not have like a big emotional experience Although I know people who've had them and I don't doubt, and I've had many emotional experiences with the Lord since then, but that was not an emotional experience. I prayed that prayer and I knew, I knew, Wow. I just knew. And so as I began to reread the same scriptures that I had grown up, knew them chapter and verse, oh my goodness, I knew the gospel of John chapter and verse. Okay. Mm. But when I started reading it again, after that prayer, 
it was very different because I just felt like this Jesus was my friend. He was my friend who wanted to save me. Mm. He was my friend who cared about me. Mm. There really was this love there. So, you know, anybody can say, hey, well, you know, you just had an emotional experience. Well, maybe so. Okay. But I know this. Um, for many years, when I was at Mount Perrin Church of God, we were under the pastoral care of Dr. Paul Walker, who went to be with the Lord this year. Mm-hmm. Just a great teacher and a great man and a great musician, by the way. Oh, wow. But Paul Walker had more degrees than a thermometer. You know, he had a couple of doctorates, a <laughs> couple of master's degrees. I mean, he was just a, a very brilliant man. And the first time that my sisters and I got, were, we were commissioned to go into the mission field. He told us something that was vitally important. He said, look, girls, he said, there are always going to be people who are smarter than you. There are going to be people who've read more books than you've read, who will know more about theology than you know. He said, lots of people will be able to argue your theology, but nobody can argue your testimony. Mm. He said, you know the relationship that you have with Jesus. So, you know, the best thing you can do is just share, hey, this is what Jesus has meant in my life. This is how he has changed my life. This is, this is how he has loved me so well. And so that is what I can say about, about my relationship with the Lord. It changed. I've been a church girl all my life, mm-hmm. but I became his girl. Mm-hmm. I became Jesus girl. Yeah. And that has changed everything that made all the difference. Wow. Man, I, I love that story. You, yeah, your experience with Jesus is every bit as important as what you can learn in the pages of the Bible or what you can learn from a flawed human being telling you interpreting theology or whatever. Yes. Um, it's our experience. It's what's real. I, I recently heard someone saying, you know, it's like when you ask someone about their faith, if they just start listing a be- their set of beliefs, rather than, no, I want to hear about your faith. I want to hear about your relationship with God. That's, that's the real stuff. That's the stuff that's interesting. Mm -hmm. Um, It's sad to me, you know, because maybe it's always been this way and I just am only becoming aware of it, but Christianity in general just seems so fractured these days. Yes. Yes. And you hear a lot of people talking about, oh, I don't know the Jesus they're they're talking about, or that's not my Jesus. Or I'm like, how many Jesuses are there? (laughs) Yeah. 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 But it's interesting. I was listening to a podcast this morning and the host was talking about um, that very thing. She said, you know, I, she said, she just can't relate to the Jesus. That's less gays, more guns. (laughs) That's what she called it. Mercy. And then, um, but she said the Jesus she fell in love with in the gospels that she hangs on to today. She said, this Jesus, he was walking around in his life with the people that he was doing community with. And he was asking two questions, who is religion forgetting and who is power oppressing? Wow. And I heard uh, those two, she goes, that's all, all of his stuff boiled down to those two, those two questions. She goes, and then what he did is the answer to those who is religion forgetting and who is power oppressing those people were the people he pulled in close. That's who he wanted. That's right. That's who he walked with. That's who he ate with. That's who he stood in between them and the stones that were thrown at him. I mean, it was like when she was talking about that, I was like, yes, that's, that is the Jesus I see when I read 
the gospels too. And um, it's sad to me that people don't see that. They, they, you know, I, I don't understand. I really don't understand. That. You know, Marsha, I, I mean, you and you and I have had some discussions, especially over the last year about this. And there's, I've seen, I've seen a lot of stuff in the church that has broken my heart. And I've seen people who are supposed to be Christians do things that as, as my mama would say, you know, good and well, that ain't Jesus. Okay. Mm, yeah. And so I, I think that Jesus, Jesus kind of broke it down. I mean, he was, he was a wonderful rabbi. Jesus broke it down. He got past, he said, Hey, he said, I will help you to fulfill all of the law and all of the prophets, everything that the law teaches and all the things that the prophets have said. He said, I can help you to, to get it down to two things. He said, if you remember these two things, he said, you'll have it because there, there was stuff going back and forth, you know, schisms among the Jews, the people that he was walking with. And he said, here, here goes. He said, these two things, he said, and you'll have it. He said, love the Lord, your God, with all your heart, your mind, your soul, and your strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. Mm. He said, now, he said, do those two things. And I'm serious. This is in the book. It's in red. It's in red in the Bible. It's in red. That's That's right. right. And he said, now, he said, do those two things. He said, and everything else will be taken care of. Right. He said, all the law hangs on that. All the law. That's right. On that. That's right. That's right. And the prophet. He was saying, he said, all of it. So yeah. nothing was left out. So I think that, you know, so often, you know, and look, I know that we all come to Jesus as we are, and we assume that Jesus accepts me as I am. But for some reason, I just figure he can't accept you as you are <laughs> because you and I don't sin the same. Right. Right. So, so, so here's the deal. We talk about this a good deal, you know, with my seven fold sisters, we meet every week to rehearse. Although last night we, we met and we didn't rehearse. We, we had a, a sick fur baby. So we had to just kind of, <laughs> I know we're just all such nanas. Okay. Oh. And, and we're yentles. Okay. I mean, yentles, we just, <laughs> so we just had to nurse him. He's fine this morning. He's gone to the vet. So he's fine this morning. Oh, good. But I think that we want to, we want to remake Jesus in our image so that I can feel better about myself. Mm. The whole thing is that maybe I just need to feel better about the fact that Jesus loves me. And I figure if Jesus can love me with all my stuff, because here's the deal. Everybody's got a story. Everybody has got a story. Okay. Mm-hmm. I got a story. Part of it. We've shared here. Part of it. Oh, my goodness. Part of it. I could never tell here. Okay. Part mm-hmm. of it. If I told, I wouldn't be allowed in decent society anymore. I'm sure. Okay. <laughs> I mean, the stuff that I didn't do, I probably thought about doing, okay? <laughs> the stuff that I didn't just think, you know, initially about doing, some of it I probably fantasized about doing, okay? So I'm just saying everybody's got a story. Right. And the only the only one who really understands my story completely is Jesus. Mm. Because he's been looking at the whole thing from my beginning to my last day on this earth. Mm-hmm. And the things that I'll never be able to explain the hurts that I'll never be able to explain, the confusion I'll never be able to explain, the disappointments, they might seem silly to somebody else. You know, have you ever talked to somebody about something that really hurt you and they said, oh, come on, it wasn't that bad. You just took it the wrong way. Just like that's supposed to make me feel better. No. Right. But Jesus is the one who knows how much it hurt. And Jesus is the one who knows what I did to stop feeling the pain. Or for me, I went through a period of time where 
you know, something really bad happened to me once and it took me many years to get, I won't say over it. I won't say I'm over it, but to be able to manage it. And I went through a period of time when I could not feel, I couldn't feel anything. Mm -hmm. So there were things that I did that I'm, I'm certainly not proud of. I mean, I mean, you know, I'm on the other side of, but I mean, I went through a period where I cut myself because mm. I just needed to feel something. I couldn't feel anything right? and I couldn't talk to anybody about it. Right. No matter, no, I didn't have, I was a writer and I lost my ability to articulate what was going on with me. Wow. And I lost it for several years, but God saw it. God saw it. And sometimes my only prayer was just Jesus. Oh. My prayer was just Jesus. I didn't know what to pray. I didn't have any words. I had let myself down. I couldn't manage to pull myself out of it. I didn't, I, I mean, what had happened to me, I was just saying, what did I do to deserve that? Mm. Why would somebody do that to me? You know, all of these things. I mean, we live in a broken world. I'm a broken person. I live amongst broken people. And I got broken by broken people. And, and since then, some of them have apologized. Some of them have not apologized. Some have gone on to do some additional stuff. But I'm talking about my brokenness. Yeah. Jesus was there in my brokenness. And, and no, I don't know all the wives. I could say, well, you know, God, I tried to be a good Christian girl and, you know, do all the right things. And, you know, I didn't smoke or chew or date men who do. I mean, why would this happen to me? You know, <laughs> you know, but... <laughs> What was that? Don't smoke or chew. It's, or a, it's, actually, it's actually don't drink, don't chew or date men who do. But <laughs> I love that. You know, and I, I did. Well, I didn't at that time. I have since then, but I don't anymore. <laughs> but, um, <laughs> you know, but, you know, but Jesus was there in it. Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. I sensed his presence. And, and yes, there have been times when I have felt that he spoke to me, that I could feel him speaking, you know, to me inside of me. Many times he spoke to me through the word and spoke to me through, there were angels in my life that he sent to me, okay, all around me. Mm. So that is my Jesus. And I am, I am really not in a position to say who can't come to Jesus when the book of Revelation basically says, hey, whoever will, let him come. Yep. And drink and take the free gift of the water of life. That's right. And I believe that when Jesus said, I've got sheep, not of this fold. Mm. I don't know what that means. All right. Because I'm, I'm grafted in as, as Christians, we are grafted in. So we weren't of that fold. So if I got in, hey, there's room for somebody else to get in. Anybody. You know? That's what that's I'm like. I, if I can get in, anyone can get in. Yeah. I let Jesus sort it out. Okay. That's but I'm, right. but I'm, but I'm going to love everybody. I'm going to love, I'm going to love everybody. And when I have trouble loving everybody, then I'm going to say, Jesus, help me to love everybody. Because some of the same people who are deciding right now who can't be a Christian, they might not have allowed me to become a Christian, mm. but Jesus did. But Jesus did. Yeah. So I'm going to hold the door open for somebody else. Oh, that is beautiful. I am. That's how I got in. Well, it goes kind of circles back around to the thing that we started when I asked you what, what do you want people to know about you? And you were, it's like, it's just all about love. It's all about it learning, is. 
to love each other better, learning yes. to love God better and learning to love ourselves better. Yes. Yes. Huge, huge. That loving yourself. Yeah. Uh, that's hard. It is hard. That's mm-hmm. sometimes the hardest, mm-hmm. hardest part. And going back to that verse, when you just said, you know, and actually I've just been writing a chapter about this in my book of that very verse, you know, mm-hmm. love your neighbor love the Lord, your God with all your heart and all your soul and all your mind, and then love your neighbor as yourself. And neighbor is just others, right? Yes, neighbor just yes. means anyone that's not you. That's right. That's right. <laughs> anyone it's, it's else, everybody else, yeah. everybody else, everybody else is neighbor. Yeah. Um, but you know, people are like, oh yeah, you're supposed to love your neighbor as yourself. Well, I think it gets glossed over how hard it is to love yourself well in the first place. That part gets completely glossed over. We think as human beings that we're born selfish and we're born thinking of ourselves and that's just, that comes naturally. And there, there is a certain self-preservation that we, yes, yes, exactly. We do feel like, okay, you know, that's um, a natural feeling, but actually loving ourselves well is, is not something it's, a lot of people do without working on it. It's, it's different. Yeah. And I mentioned in your intro that you so kindly have, have uh, offered to serve on our board of directors at God, my girlfriend's ministries this year. Mm-hmm. And the three things that we talk about is those we talk about working on our relationships with God and with our friends and ourselves. So I'll ask you really quick, as far as like self-care, what's your favorite self-care activity? Like when you feel spent and you need to take time to like love yourself a little bit, what do you, Mm -hmm. what do you do? I had to make some changes in how I was doing this. Um, My kid sister, Vanessa, does a great teaching on, on loving yourself. um, That if, if you don't love yourself, then maybe what you are giving to others is not love, Mm. you know? You got to love yourself. If you, you can't love your neighbor as yourself, if you don't love yourself. Mm-hmm. So sometimes you have to, you have to dig deep and it's like, wait a minute, do I really love myself? So what I had to do was give to myself the gift of stillness. So I actually, I, I meditate. And, and when I am especially wrung out and especially tired, um, because I'm a person who can always be busy because there's, you know, we're women. There's always something to do. Okay. But <laughs> I, I would just stop and I, I don't do this every day, but I try to do this every day. You know, I get up and I, you know, I read my scripture and I have my prayer time and I, you know, and I take communion every day. It had helped me to actually stop. And you, I mean, you can do this however you want to. I mean, I'm not a, I'm not a Buddhist and I don't have any relationship with a Buddhist, but I found a meditation app that would just help me through deep breathing and some guided uh, meditations that would just help me to just slow it down, just slow it down. So that is my, that is my best gift to myself, especially when I am tired or sick or worn out or in any kind of distress or dis-ease, whether it's physical dis-ease or emotional Mm. dis-ease or even spiritual dis-ease is to calm myself and meditation is what helps me to do that. Mm. I love that. I know a lot of people that feel that way. My son meditation has become a huge part of his life and I've seen it change him. 
Like I've seen it change mm-hmm. him. And, you know, again, growing back up in, in growing up in Southern Baptist world, we were taught that meditation was some sort of weird Eastern thing, but Eastern, that's right. <laughs> but it says in the Bible to meditate on my word. It it mentions yes. it several times. It uses that word of meditation. And yes. finally, someone explained to me that meditation is, it's sort of, it's prayer, except that prayer is when you're talking to God and meditation is when you're listening. <laughs> Yes. When you're just being quiet, quiet enough to listen. Yes. I'm sure there were many years where I was just, you know, checking off my daily prayers and I'm just praying and praying and praying. And God probably was just like, can you stop for a minute? (laughs) I can't get get in a word. (laughs) Hey, hey, I know all that stuff already that you're asking. I know all about that. Can you just be quiet and let me talk back? I never let him talk back. Well, I mean, well, because you're you've been a good Christian girl. I was trying, you know. I was trying. When you get to, when you see that scripture that says, "Be still and know that I am God," mm-hmm. the first part of it is to be still. Be still. And you know, we're Americans, and we don't like to be still. I mean, that's just we just don't like it, right? But he said, "Be still." And know that I am God mm. first. Be still, yeah. be still. And so that's what that's what I have been doing. It's like Carol, be be still. You know, I'm not a I'm not a, a a Catholic girl, but you know, I pray a version of the Rosary. I use prayer beads. You know, I have a oh girl. I mean, wait. I've been a Christian a long time, so I got a whole little routine. But it it's I still have to be still. I still have to be still. Yeah. Oh. I, I, I feel most like Abba's child. Oh. Like Papa's girl. Yeah. You know, that's one of my favorite songs. You do. You know oh, that, don't you? I'm glad you love <laughs> but, that um, too. I just love it. You know, I feel most like that when I am just still. Mm-hmm. Just still. Mm-hmm. And I'm an American, so I can't do it for two or three hours. I wish I could. I wish I could just meditate for like two, three hours. I can't, I can't, no. you know, but if I can get in a good 30 minutes, a good 40 minutes, oh wow! it, it affects, it affects the rest of my day. That's amazing. In a good way. Good. Yes. Yes. I'm sure. Like, I don't know anyone that practices meditation that says, yeah, doesn't do anything for me. <laughs> <laughs> Waste of time. Waste totally. of time. Never heard that said. It's crazy. It's crazy. That's right. Oh, Carol, I cannot believe we are running out of time, girl. I am. Um, uh, I have. I could talk. I could talk to you forever because I never. I never have a conversation with you that I don't learn something from it, and that's what I love about our friendship. And you know, it's so cool about one of the good things I will say. I, a lot of people struggle and hate technology and the internet and social media and everything, but it does make it so much easier to stay in touch with people that aren't in your immediate uh, logistical circle. And, um, and you have been one of those people that I'm just so grateful that we've been able to stay in touch. I, I, you live in Atlanta or outside of Atlanta and I'm in Nashville, but I swear I, I talk to you about as much as anyone of my friends here in Nashville. It's just Crazy. been wonderful. I mean, I've enjoyed the, you know, the God and my girlfriend's Bible, you know, book club that you've had. You and, 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 and I'm ready for, I'm ready for another one. Yeah. I'm we're going to do, do one soon. I, I have been trying to get my schedule together. Um, oh, just and... do it in your spare time. You don't need <laughs> sleep. Just, yeah. 
just 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 scratch sleep off your list and just go ahead and, and do a book club for me okay it's all about me and, uh, <laughs> hey I want it and several of the other girls are like when are we doing another book study and I'm like uh I had committed to leading one at my church this this summer, which starts next week. I saw. I'm and, so jealous of them. Uh, it's going to be a good one. I love the book. And so we're doing that here just in Nashville, but it's not online. And then the fall, mm-hmm. trying to figure out how we can squeeze one in with my touring schedule. We'll have to see how it all works out. But I am just so grateful for your friendship, for your wisdom. I love you and Vanessa. And we I, love you. I appreciate you uh, taking the time to come on and help me finish out this first season of the podcast. You, you also were one of the first people that I ran when I thought about starting this ministry. And I, I brought it up to you and Vanessa. I think we were probably at James's house. Getting ready. I think so. And I was telling you about it and you were like, you were like, oh yeah. Oh yeah. No brainer. That's it. Yeah. Got to do that. Got to do yes. that. Yes. Which and James, I was, and I was right too. Yeah. I was right for a change. <laughs> You have been a big supporter from day one, and I just appreciate you uh, so much. And I'm sorry I'm going to miss I've you this weekend. I've been blessed by you. I might come down. I know Mike has one more show with you guys, maybe in two or three weeks. So you never know. Okay. I may, I may tag along then. You're going to have to come, and you're going to have to sing. And, of course, we're looking forward to seeing you in September. And thank you for everything, Marsha. We are so grateful and so blessed by God and my girlfriends. What an incredible blessing that has been to us. And and Vanessa and I love you and the Seven Pole Sisters love you. And, oh. and please come to Atlanta. I mean, you're coming in September, but please come, please come before then. Please, please. Oh, come. <laughs> I need, I need a hug from you girls. All right, girl. Here, girl. We love you. Love you too. We'll talk soon. Yes, ma'am. Thank you for everything. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Isn't she awesome? I should have warned you that she has the best laugh on the planet. I mean, her laugh is just like a big warm hug. I just, I just love her. I know you guys have fallen in love with her. And like I promised, we're going to end this episode with a beautiful new song from Sevenfold, her group Sevenfold. It's an it's on the album that's going to be released um, later this year. The song was produced by Dean Harrington, and it was written by our lovely Carol Ford. The song is called Back to You, and I think it's a perfect way to end season one of the God and My Girlfriends podcast. One more thing I'll just ask before we go. If you haven't subscribed and rated and rated and reviewed the podcast, please go do that. That's the best way that you can support us. If you like what we're doing here, please do that for us. It's so helpful. And if you don't like what we're doing, never mind. (laughs) Just never mind. (laughs) But hopefully you are finding value and be sure and message me and let me know about what you'd love us to talk about next season. I already have some great guests lined up. I know you're going to want to come back and join us. So thanks again. We're going to end with this beautiful song by Carol Ford and Sevenfold. Love you guys. See you soon. Be well.
so bad.